Uh, as you know, we're in our series called The Stories of Our Savior. In the first week, we had the opportunity to listen about the God who heals and the story of, of my wife, our worship leader, who has just been through the ringer. But I'm thankful that we can serve a God that we know that heals. It's his will for us to be healed and whole in Jesus' name and to watch those miracles take place and unfold in front of our eyes. To God be the glory. Amen. And then last week, we were able to share about the God of hope, that we serve a God that doesn't leave us in the caves where sin and other people's sin has caused us to live in, but we serve a God of hope that still gives hope. And we heard an incredible story from DJ, interviewed by Chase, of, of God's hope that found him in the middle of despair. And I'm thankful that God still finds people in caves and heals them and delivers them in Jesus' name. Amen? It's incredible. This morning, we're going to be talking about the, the God of restoration and how he restores. And so I'm going to take the next 15 or so moments and set up this incredible story. And this is going to be, I don't say this lightly, I feel like I'm responsible for stewarding a pivotal moment in our church, a, a, a moment where we are now seeing uh, miracles and signs and wonders and transform lives in front of us. And to be able to hear the stories of what God is doing is just incredible. So you're going to put your seatbelt on, you're going to buckle up, and you're going to believe in faith that God is not just going to do it for those of us in this room, but he's going to be doing it for the ones that are coming next year. Their hearts and hopes are going to be restored in Jesus' name. Uh, our devotional this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 46. And here's what it reads. Every year, Jesus, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, how many of here have ever parented a 12-year-old? It was busy, and there was a 12-year-old. I have a kid, my youngest, who was born as a 12-year-old. He's 11. I call him our 11-teen-year-old because he started his teenage years a little bit sooner. But when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but the parents were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, but they did not find him. They went back to Jerusalem for him, and after three days, verse number 46, they found Jesus. I don't know about you, but that reads to me as a story of a bunch of parents or a set of parents who lost Christmas. And I want to speak to you about that topic this morning, the parents who lost Christmas. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, we ask for you to send your Holy Spirit this morning and help. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Joseph and Mary were given the ultimate responsibility to guard and protect Jesus. We can probably deduce, after looking hindsight being 2020, that Jesus was in good hands, you know, with God and the Holy Spirit and stuff. But just for a moment, could you imagine the scenario, the panic that must have struck Joseph and Mary for those three days? Could you imagine losing Jesus and not knowing that you lost Jesus and you were gone a day? I don't know about you, I, I'm sad to admit that there's been a time or two where I have misplaced my children. All the dads, you better look at me and nod your head because you know what's going on. And all the moms are mad at me right now. Uh, when, when one of my boys was still in their car seat, I got so excited about the football game that was being played at my relative's house 
that I jammed in and it took me about eight or nine minutes to remember, oh, my kid's in the car. <laughs> These are not moments that I am proud of. I just want you to know. I'm actually ashamed of them. Uh, and they, uh, the Lord's forgiven. My wife is yet to decide to forgive, but they are here. I, I remember uh, the first time I watched uh, Jaden uh, alone, away from my wife. She trusted me that much. It was pretty incredible. And she came home, and he was a little fussy. And I, I said, I don't know what's happened. I've been playing with him. I've been, I mean, we've been hanging out. It's, and, and she asked me the question, well, did you feed him yet? <laughs> That's a problem. You know, I wish parenting, there was manuals on these things. But I guess human beings raising other human beings are pretty tough. You know, especially when you're like me, who can, not very aware sometimes. But these parents lost track of a Holy Spirit-conceived, angel-announced, virgin birth, Savior of the world. Could you imagine Joseph and Mary asking God for another kid after that? <laughs> I mean, the audacity of like, no, I gave you my one and only son, and you've already lost him. Why would I give you another? <laughs> Jesus was 12. They couldn't find him. They assumed he was somewhere and traveled for a day. Think about raising, being raised in the good old days, how your parents just knew that you were amongst relatives and you must be okay. I wish today we could do that. Walk, let our kids walk down the sidewalks. But there was a good day that was happening there. I, um, I've been a parent of a 12-year-old. I relate. Uh, I'm getting ready to parent a 12-year-old. Uh, Jace is quiet. And I want you to know that is a miracle in and of itself. He's finally quiet. And I've realized if he's ever quiet, he's probably either sleeping or he's doing something and keeping himself entertained that if I go look for him, that could be a mistake because then he won't be quiet no more. He told us the other day, uh, several years ago, I really love life, but I really don't like to sleep. And we have found that out to be true. How many in here don't like to sleep? Jace is one of those people that do not like to sleep. They feel like they're wasting life. And so if Jace gets a solid 20 minutes a night, he is good to go. He's, he's one of those kids. He doesn't waste a moment. And I can see Jesus in that same light, how he was 12 years old and he already knew about his father's business and he was wanting to do what, what, what his heavenly father called him to do. He didn't want to waste a minute. I like what Rabbi Zacharias wrote this reasoning. He said, the people to whom the word and God's miracles were given lost him in the bustle of ceremony. His parents lost Jesus because they didn't completely understand who he was. I believe that they lost Jesus the same way that we lose sight of Jesus. In the business and the noise of life, when we're going through routine and customs and ceremonies, if you're not careful, you can be doing the things that you think Jesus would be doing, but then you can lose sight of Jesus. Somewhere in the changing of seasons, the business of life, the trials of the moment, the storms of the day, we get preoccupied more with the customs of life than keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do that as a church. We do that individually as Christians, that the longer that you walk with Jesus, you better be careful that you don't lose sight of Jesus. Jesus, I want to be clear, never lose sight of you. He loves you. His love for you is assured. There's nothing that you can do that will cause Christ to stop loving you because there's never anything that you did that caused him to start loving you. He, his love for you is unimaginable, it's incomprehensible. His love for you is an incredible love. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can lose sight of Jesus just like the parents of Christmas can lose sight of Jesus. 
But they did what we must do. They then went on a search to find him. I'm thankful that we serve a God that if you seek him, you will be found by him. He is the worst hide-and-go-seeker of all time. If you go looking for him, he will make himself available to be found by you. I believe it's not if we will lose sight sometimes in our life, it's but when. In seasons of weariness, it's what do I do? First, you must know that God isn't taken by surprise by your season. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 5 says, or one, verses 1 and 5 says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. In other words, that God sees you this morning in the season that you're at. He's not taken by surprise by where you find yourself in, whether you're in the valley or you're in the mountaintop. Second that you must think you must know is you must know this is why Jesus was sent to earth. If you read the, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1 reads Zechariah's prophecy, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. What an incredible promise that is of the gospel message. That if you find yourself this morning living in darkness or in the shadow of death, or you find yourself going through the motions of Christianity in a boring state, that's why Jesus came. He came to find you, to wake you up. It's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Romans chapter 5 says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that our adversity not only changes people, it also unmasks them. As Studs Terkel said, face the music and someday you will lead the band. When God's at our side, he helps us to face the music even when we don't like the tune. I'm thankful this morning of a Savior's birth that allows us to walk in peace. It's the gospel that Jesus came to give you hope in a world where sin robbed you of it. He is enough. He has always been enough. He will always be enough. Churches, if we're not careful, we will try to add to this gospel message. We will try to take away from it. We will try, think about this, we will try to help God. God doesn't need our help. The same God that, that gave the power of Jesus, that rose him from the dead, is the same spirit that lives within us. It is not our job to try to help God. It's our job to try to allow God to help us. We've learned this last few weeks that we serve a God who heals, a God who provides hope. And I'm thankful this morning to share a story that I recently read about the God who provides restoration. She was around addiction her whole life. She moved a lot. She remembers at a young age falling and hitting her head as a five-year-old, and the doctor said that she was going to have seizures the rest of her life. But she realized early on that God had his hand upon her because there was no seizures. She wrote, Big Brothers was always there to help comfort and guide as my parents were trying to figure it out. She remembers living in strangers' basements, shelters, the back of U-Hauls. She never felt scared, just unaware as a child of what was going on. She wrote, Texas, California, Nevada, Colorado. She was just trying to find home. One of the moves, everything from the U-Haul got stolen. Parents got sick, tough times created in those times of watching her parents, a passion for her to be a nurse. What an incredible lesson that can be learned from a story, that adversity can actually inspire your passion and your purpose. 
It's not, it doesn't have to be meant to take you out. It can be made, be made to move you on. Then she met him, a son of partiers who were always gone. He wrote, I was always poor. I was always struggling. Had a sister who died at eight. That caused pain in their family, and the family didn't know how to deal with it. Their parents eventually divorced. Caused him to run to partying. Isn't it amazing after generational curses and generational bondages, the things that we see our parents do, we actually run to the very same things that cause them destruction. If we're not careful, we'll cause the same destruction in our own life. After the divorce, siblings went to foster care. He wrote, I was old enough to try to make it on my own. He lived in uh, friends' houses. He even lived in ditches a few nights. And even grandma was sometimes gracious for him to be able to stay at her home. But that, in his life, sent him on a search. He went searching in a lot of different places, in a lot of different kinds of churches and religions. In the middle of their brokenness, they write that they met broken people. Two weeks into their relationship, they found themselves pregnant. Broken people, three children later, the middle baby with heart problems. They divorced, and another generational loss that the enemy was able to rob a family. And it seemed like all hope was lost. They separated. They both entered other relationships, had children. And those relationships were broken again, because how many know healthy begats health and broken begats broken? Four years ago, an email to check on the kids led to a spark. That, that spark allowed them to go and rekindle their love for each other. And it wasn't very many few months later and a year later that they bought their first home together. They got serious, he wrote, about following Jesus. If you haven't guessed already, this is not just some random story that I'm telling you. It's a story about a couple in our congregation. A year ago, they walked onto the campus of Parkway, trunk or treat, October 31st last year. This couple with their kids walks in, and I assume that they're married, that they're normal people. They got, you know, met when they were teenagers, and, and uh, pastors are naive that way sometimes. And he looks at me square in the eyes, and he says, Pastor, we just bought a home in town a few months ago, moved over from Metford, and we feel like God's calling us to this church. I had no idea their story. They get plugged in with uh, the Yes team and some life group leaders. Jim and Reddick Ken and Pastor Jim begins to uh, mentor this couple and, and begins to hear their story. The Holy Spirit starts doing what he, what he does. In service, the Holy Spirit, in discipleship, the Holy Spirit started telling them, hey, you can't live in sin, you need to be married. Well, looking back on their life, the, the marriages have never really ended well. But God's been doing a new work in their life. This morning, I want you to know that we're going to witness God's restoring power. And James and Kara are going to get remarried today in front of us. <laughs> I think you can do a little bit better than that. Pretty incredible. I promise you when I sit down in that front row, there won't be a dry eye on my face. Uh, when you see when Jesus does what Jesus does, I just wanted to pause here and say, if you're not careful as a church, 
The reason why you've lost sight of Jesus is because Jesus is doing things that you probably have lost sight of. If you look towards the broken, you'll find Jesus there. If you look towards the hurting, you'll find Jesus there. If you look, uh, look towards a church that wants to reach out to the lost, the lonely, the bruised, and the broken, you'll find Jesus there. Uh, the Lord placed this phrase in my heart as I was reading uh, one morning in my devotion that he left the 99 for the one. The Lord really spoke to my heart and he said, Jay, what if you were able to galvanize the 99 for the one? What if you could have a church that its purpose and mission was actually the 99 for the lost and the lonely, the bruised and the broken? And I want you to know what you're about to witness. I can't even get into the context and what the story, the page story of notes that I just wrote out doesn't even do it justice what God is doing in this family. And I want to just say at the front, we're not naive. We, we know that, that marriage and, and coming together in, in holy matrimony is going to take work. It's going to take, we're not naive that the enemy is going to want to try to tackle this family and take them out again. And we're not doing this as a way of just saying, hey, look at us and look at what God's doing in this family and through our church. We're committed to marriages and relationships for the long term. I believe that this church, yeah, come on, somebody, give it up to the Lord. I believe one of the marks of this church is going to be the healthy and long-lasting marriages that are going to be created uh, through this church and the ministry of this fellowship. Uh, vertical marriage is coming in January. Uh, we have a wonderful ministry that has been established here for a number of years. If you need help in your marriage and, you're, and, and you want biblical sound advice, there's, there's hope found in Jesus and God's people that if you'll just reach out and help, God will do the impossible. And so what you're going to see today is you're going to see a pastor who's been restored into ministry officiate this, this wedding. He might be a little nervous today, but we're going to give him a little break. Pastor Jim Ken is going to help me officiate this wedding. Jimmy, James, you're looking good. You got a suit on. I mean, you got flowers. I don't know how this thing came out to be, but you guys are really good. Kara's going to walk down the aisle in a few moments. And you guys know we're at a wedding today. So when the bride walks down, we're going to stand up, right? And we're, we're going to witness God's restoring power. But as they get set and they get ready, I want you to turn your eyes to the screen because there's about a minute slideshow of pictures that are going to take you through this story that they've walked through. Ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven. And pray this for you I pray for your healing The circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name In Jesus' name 
Pastor Jay already said, this is a real wedding. This is not an illustration of a wedding or a, an example of a wedding. This is the real thing. And James and Kara are excited to be here. And everything is going good. Just relax. <laughs> it's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> so who gives this woman to be married to this man? We are doing this wedding here and now because of the importance of your presence and the idea that we don't do this, we don't live our Christian lives by ourselves, but we are part of the body of Christ and the family of God. And the importance of that cannot be overstated. And it seemed right to James and Kara and to the Holy Spirit that you would be more included in this celebration than you normally are at a wedding. And so you are a part of this. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin so, that so easily entangles and with perseverance, run that race that's set before us. And it's not only the witnesses that are here in the room that you see, but around us is a great cloud of those who have gone before us. We are not here by ourselves. As believers, we know that there are others who are with us all the time. And they are in this house. <laughs> with you two cheering on this celebration. This, the, this is more important when we think about the importance and, and the beauty of the restoration of a marriage and the restoration of two lives and of an entire family. And this is, this is the center of what the kingdom of God is about. And you have heard this morning Pastor Jay and others talk about the importance of restoration. And, and you are a beautiful, living example of that taking place here. The restoration of your whole person, your whole life is happening now. And to you, by the way, in the congregation, I would say that it is true of you also. That the opportunity and the potential of your restoration is present here today. And I would ask that you pay attention and listen so the words that are spoken today. And now, James and Kara, I want to speak to you personally. Our focus, everybody's focus here is on you. Don't be nervous about that. <laughs> That's the way it is. Yeah. You are standing here because you love each other. But ultimately, you're standing here because God loves you and you love him. The marriage that you enter today is a covenant relationship. This is not the same thing as a contract. If you were at the justice of the peace, you would be entering a contract. But you're here under the, the authority of the name of Jesus with the body of Christ. And that means this is a covenant relationship. That has three parties. A contract has two parties. Three parties are you, two, and God. 
And as you say these vows to each other, it is with the knowledge that not only is God listening to your vows to each other, but he is putting his stamp on them. And he's saying to you, I approve. I approve of what you're doing. And I also am, am committing to encouragement and your growth. And he is involved in this as much as you are, which is an amazing thing, isn't it? A contract, if you think about that, is two parties and it's conditional. A contract is about self-protection and doubt. A covenant is about giving ourselves to each other. And love and faith are the basis of that. So I want, um, I want us to pray together. And uh, I would like uh, you all to stand in honor of the presence of the Holy Spirit while we pray, and in honor of the beautiful vows and the restoration that James and Kara are making. Father, we are grateful for your presence here. You are a great God, and we are humble before you. We stand here as your children. We, we, are not, we don't bring anything of, of value to you. You give us the value that we have. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you this morning for James and Kara. We pray that you would touch them right now with your peace and that their love might be amplified toward each other and toward you. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence in their marriage as they go forward and for the example that they set for their family and for all of your blessings that you bring in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a moment and speak to the families. Is that all right? Okay. Um, Ken and Janet. I just want to say, you don't have to stand up, brother. Just sit down. It's okay. I just want to say that you, Kara and James, love you guys. And you, you have a special place in their lives. It's not, it's not always been this way, but it is now that they look to you as mentors. And they look to you because they love you. We love them. Yes, I know you do. And you just keep doing that. God has brought you to a new place. A brand new place. This is, both of you are growing in the Lord. And it's an exciting thing to see. God bless you. And, and uh, to the kids. <laughs> I, I want to say to you that this is, this is something, it, it may seem a little um, weird that we're doing this. <laughs> And, and you, you might think, what's going on? But, but this, is an important, this is an important moment. It's not, it's, it's not something that we take lightly, and it's something that is important to you guys. They are going to be examples to you of what it means to live their lives as close to the Lord as, as they can. You guys are going to see that lived out. And so their example and your grandparents' example 
uh, are going to be important. So the other thing I want to say is that they, this doesn't make them perfect. Did you notice that? <laughs> it, 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 it makes them under the love of God to be growing in their lives. And, and you guys can be doing the very same thing. And extended family. <laughs> I just want to say you're a part of this. You're part of this. And your influence is big. And we just want you to know that. So do it with the knowledge that what you do makes a difference. Okay? Good, Megan. Praise the Lord. Now, face each other. Can, can um, I have uh, uh, your mom hold your flowers? No? <laughs> okay, all right, hold hands. I, James, take you, Kara. I, James, take you, Kara. To be my wife. To be my wife. Following the directions. Following the directions. Of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I promise to love you completely. I promise to love you completely. In any circumstance. In any circumstance. I will provide you spiritual leadership. I will provide you spiritual leadership. I will always be faithful to you. I will always be faithful to you. Physically. Physically. Mentally. mentally and emotionally. and emotionally. I will encourage your spiritual, I will encourage your spiritual and, emotional growth. and emotional growth. I will pray for you, I will pray for you. And, support you. and support you for as long as God gives us life on this earth. I, Kara, take you, James, to be my husband. Following the direction of Jesus, following the direction of Jesus, <laughs> yeah. following the direction of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior. I promise to love you completely, I promise to love you completely, and in, in all of life's circumstances, in all of life's circumstances, I will provide you, I will provide you, an environment of peace, an environment of peace. I will listen to and encourage. I will listen to and encourage your spiritual leadership. Your spiritual leadership. I will give you godly counsel. I will give you godly counsel and pray for you. And pray for you. I will give you protection. I will give you protection from sexual temptation. Sexual temptation that only a loving wife can provide. That only a loving wife can provide. I will pray for you. I will pray for you and support you. And support you. For as long as God gives us life on this earth. For as long as God gives us life on this earth. Amen. Do you have tokens to seal these vows? Okay. Hold it tight. There we go. James put this ring on her finger. Good. And hold her hand and repeat after me. <coughs> To you, Kara, who shares my life, my love, and my dreams, this ring is a symbol of my commitment to you. I give it to you with joy. As this ring does not end, my love for you will never end.
Sarah, take this ring and put it on James's finger. To you, James, who shares my life, my love, and my dreams, this ring is a symbol of my commitment to you. I give it to you with joy. As this ring does not end, my love for you will never end. All right, now you can turn and face me. I am taking a break in the normal order of the wedding with the blessing of the bride and groom. This may be an unusual thing for a wedding ceremony, but I want to give you and the congregation an invitation. It does not take away from what is important here, but it adds even more to the holiness and the import of what they're doing now as they wed each other. I am speaking to those especially who see this ceremony and realize that this restoration is something that you need in your own life. That you recognize that there has been created a gap between you and the Lord that hasn't been there before. Or you may see a gap in a relationship of, between you and one other who you have pledged your love to in the past. But there has crept into that relationship unforgiveness, even bitterness, and especially a need for forgiveness. Holy Spirit is whispering you to you right now. You have seen this service, and, and it, it is a moving thing. And you feel the Lord near you. And he's saying to you, this is a moment that you don't want to miss. The scripture says that we defeat our enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We don't do it by willpower or only the recognition that change is necessary. We do it because God moves us to do it. And if you're feeling that move of God, that is what he's asking you to do, is to, to allow him to close that gap that is so damaging to your relationship with God and with each other. The word of your testimony this morning could look like this. At the end of this ceremony, when we're cheering for James and Kara, instead of just standing or going out or just making that the end of the service, that if God is moving on your heart, that you would take a step and come down to the front and allow someone to pray with you. There will be people down here to pray with you. And allow them to say the words that will help you. And you can confess those things before the Lord. And there can be healing. And there can be restoration. And there can be a change in your life. That will bring about the kind of difference that you see imitated on this, on this platform.
And I, I just want to say that the Lord does not want you to leave unimpacted this morning. He wants to put his mark on this day and on your life. So when we close this service, if the Lord is speaking to you, don't let it be the end of the service, but rather let it be a beginning for this restoration to be taking place in your own life. So now back to what we're doing. I want to say a blessing over this couple. I want to say a blessing to you. And I would like you in the congregation to hold your hand out toward them. That You can't see them, but they're holding their hands out. <laughs> James and Kara, in the name of Jesus, I bless you with a consistent and heightened sense of God's grace in your lives as Holy Spirit consistently increases your love for each other. And the congregation said? Amen. Amen. Are you ready for this one? Yes. By the authority of the name of Jesus, I now pronounce you man and wife, whom God has joined together, let no man put asunder. You may kiss your bride. <laughs> now turn and face them. Turn around. Not yet. Don't go. It is... <laughs> it is my great pleasure to introduce James and Kara Welshon. Okay, you can go now. Okay, now you guys can just follow them out. Just follow them out. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's get that. I'll help you get it down the stairs. Okay, you got it? song right now let's 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 worship I can do that because she's my wife I think pastor thought I was talking to him like I gotta sing a song now just before we head out that direction this morning can we look up to this direction and thank our Heavenly Father for what he's doing in our church in our life and amongst us let's worship
Pastor Jim so eloquently stated, this moment was about James and Kara, but it was also about those of you that are believing God to restore things in your life that the enemy has stolen. If you read the prophet Joel that's repeated in the book of Acts, um, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. If you go back and you look before the experience of revival in Joel, there's a promise of restoration. Restoration always precedes revival. That God, he doesn't just want to use you without restoring you. And that's the promise that God has given Parkway. God has given Parkway this incredible promise in 2024 that not only do I want to bring revival to you, but I, I want to restore the years that the enemy has stolen to you. Restoration in Jesus' name. Restoration of relationships that have been broken. Restoration of years that have been lost. Restoration of kids that are walking away from the Lord. They're coming home in Jesus' name. Restoration of, of bodies that have been broken that God's going to restore in healing in Jesus' name. Depression and thoughts of suicide and, and things that have tried to attack you for years are gone in Jesus' name. Because restoration is coming. And restoration, when God restores you, through the restoration of your life, revival is released to the world that's around you. And so I don't want you walking in that direction without having an opportunity. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed all across this room. You say, Pastor, it's me. There are things in my life that I'm believing God to restore. Relationships are being restored in Jesus' name. The years that have been stolen from you are being restored in Jesus' name. You may be your here this morning and you don't know if your heart's right with God, restoration is coming. That, that gap, as Pastor Jim talked about, can be closed through Jesus. The sacrifice on the cross, the victory over the tomb. You say, Pastor, I'm believing for restoration this year. If that's you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you know who I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit's on you this morning, would you raise your hand so I can see it? Yeah, I see your hand upstairs. Yep, all over. Restoration's coming in Jesus' name. Restoration is coming in Jesus' name. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. There's about 20 hands that raised this morning. Restoration in Jesus' name. And what I so love about God is God does not have grandchildren. And if he can do it for us, he can do it for you. And so I don't know what it is, but those of you that raised your hand, would you raise both of your hands towards heaven? Those of you that raised your hands. Heavenly Father, you see their hands right now in Jesus' name. Father, the seed of the gospel that's getting planted today. The enemy cannot stop it. Who are you, mountain, not to bow down to God? Mountains, you got to bow down in Jesus' name. So, Father, we pray for restoration. We pray for years to be restored. And, Father, in restoration, I pray for the release of revival in Jesus' name. What you saw up here was James and Kara being restored and revival then hitting their family. If God can do it for them, he can do it for you in Jesus' name. If you're appreciative about what God's doing one time, give him the biggest round of applause in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
got some cake and some refreshments over in the fellowship hall. If you want to stop by and, and give them a big old hug, you can. If not, no big deal. I wanted you guys to know on behalf of the congregation, we were able to give them two nights in a honeymoon stay when they can get away. Really cool stuff. If you guys would like to give towards them, you're more than welcome to. You can write their names on an envelope, put it benevolence next to their name, and we'll make sure all those monies get passed through to bless them as they, as they start this new journey and this new life. This pastor is proud of you. I want you guys to buckle up because 2024 is going to be an incredible year of restoration in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, blessings on our people today, we pray. Father, as they walk through this week, I know some of them are walked in with a heavy load and others are going to walk out with a lightened load. But Father, we're not naive of the enemy's devices. We pray a prayer of protection over our people and around this church and a prayer of blessing over them and their finances and their lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, Merry Christmas, guys. We'll see you next Sunday.